This podcast was recorded on the ancestral lands on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. This is Humans on Rights, a podcast advocating for the education of human rights. Here's your host, Stuart Murray. As 11-year-old Isabella Kulak picked out her outfit for Tuesday school, she knew her choice of a traditional ribbon skirt would be applauded instead of belittled. That's because her school, Camsack Comprehensive Institute, a school in Saskatchewan, had declared January 4th as Ribbon Skirt Day. To quote Kulak, she said, It's very exciting. I'm going to wear the one I made. It was super complicated, but it was fun she said to CBC's Morning Edition. Now, Kulak drew international attention last year after she wore a traditional ribbon skirt to a school formal event. At the time, Kulak, 10 years old, came home upset after an educational assistant shamed her for wearing the skirt, saying it didn't match her shirt and it wasn't dressy enough for formal day. The assistant told Isabella she should have worn a store-bought outfit similar to another student's. Now, ribbon skirts are traditionally worn for Indigenous ceremonies by women and girls, but the garments are also used to show support for causes such as missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Not long after this most upsetting event happened, a Manitoba senator, Mary Jane McCallum, presented a bill to the Canada, and that bill created an act of parliament that identified January the 4th as National Ribbon Skirt Day. And to talk about National Ribbon Skirt Day from her perspective, because she is someone who's involved in this, I I learned about Laura Brandon through a good friend of mine, Clayton Sandy. I think you know Clayton's daughter, Laura. But I wanted to uh, just say with that introduction, welcome to Humans on Rights, Laura. Thank you for having me. So, Laura, let's talk a little bit about from your perspective, for anybody who's listening, what is the history of the uh, ribbon skirt. I wanted to introduce myself, first of all, in my language. So I just uh, said my spirit name in my Anishinaabe language. I'm from the Turtle Clan, and I am from Weiweisikapo First Nation, and it is in Treaty 4 territory. Okay. Thank you, Laura. So what I'll share about the history of the ribbon skirt, to my knowledge, is based on what I've been taught. And I just want to make it known that um, this is from my perspective, and I don't speak for all nations or anyone but myself. And um, I'm just sharing my perspective. So For sure. And, and Laura, I just want to just pause there for a second, because we had this conversation before you agreed to have the conversation with me to say that this is your personal viewpoint. This is, you know, what you've learned, what you want to share, that you're not here to rep- represent anybody else other than yourself, Laura Brandon. So I appreciate you making that very, very clear. Thank you. Yes, thank you. So I was first introduced to the ribbon skirt a little later in my childhood when I was about 10 years old when I lived with my grandmother. And uh, my grandmother attended a lot of ceremonies and 
when I was with her, she took me along to ceremonies. And that's where I first learned of uh, women wearing ribbon skirts. The one that I wore was made specifically for me. It had to do with being gifted that in a ceremony through uh, what we would call a medicine man or somebody that conducts ceremonies. And he had a vision what my dress was to look like and what colors it was to be made with. And those signified my personal colors. So the ribbon skirt that I was to wear was for ceremonies only. And it was a specific color of material and color of ribbons to wear while I attended ceremonies. And then throughout my life, I I learned more about ribbon skirts and how um, mainly for ceremony, that's how ribbon skirts were chosen, the style. But as I got older, there was more women wearing ribbon skirts. And fast forward to today, it's more accepted to to wear ribbon skirts and not just for ceremony. Like it could be for everyday wear, for fashion, for different reasons like that. Through university and doing research, like I did take Native Studies as one of my majors for uh, my Bachelor of Arts. So in research, I've seen uh, numerous photographs in the early 1900s of women wearing ribbon skirts. Of course, you didn't see the colors because they're black and white photographs, but you could tell that they had ribbons on them. So some of the teachings that I received is that uh, for women, it's significant for women to wear ribbon skirts because it connects the women to the earth. It's like an extension of the earth. And... It's just uh, a part of the role of being a woman. And there's additional teachings to that, that um, if people wanted to learn that they would have to pass tobacco for to receive those, it's more intimate, like between yourself and an elder. Okay. Can I just ask just a couple of things on that, Laura? Thanks for kind of giving that that sense of history from your perspective and kind of how you became, you know, you know, living with your grandmother and going to ceremony. I had done some research and again, you know, please, if this isn't accurate, I, I'm happy to learn that uh, this is not necessarily the case, but there was a piece that I did some research on that talked about that sometimes a ribbon skirt uh, representing a symbol of womanhood that had something to do with when women started to menstruate. Is there any truth in that? Or is that maybe it's a very specific or a very personal thing versus, you know, from your perspective? From my perspective, I think it would be an open answer where it would depend on the differences between communities, between language groups, and even within families, within communities. There's such a high population and there's so much influence from all areas that um, a lot of the teachings, they vary so much. So. I can't really say that that's true. It might be true for that particular person that was speaking about it. For me, the young girls in our family that are toddlers, as soon as they're walking, they would wear ribbon skirts to like a name giving ceremony, to different uh, cultural events in the community, a Sundance, powwow. 
So I think it just depends on um, what the teachings are for that person or that family. Okay, fair enough. So if we talk about your experience, Laura, when you received, or I don't know if the right word is gifted. I mean, there's a, obviously a presentation that goes where you receive your, your ribbon skirt. Is it explained to you what the colors mean so that you get an understanding of what the history is or what the teachings are that go with each particular color? Well, I can share my experience from my memory. I believe I was 11 years old, and that's when I first received my name, my spirit name. It's called Wiesewin in our language. And that's like where you're given a name from a spiritual point of view rather than your English name. And um, it's in our language. So while I was given that name, I was also given my colors and a clan. And those are some of the things that are specific to our culture in this community. The colors that I was to, to use on my ribbon skirt represented the colors that I was to use in a sun dance. So in Ascendance, we have flags that we use to help offer prayer. So those two colors are what I was to use in the Ascendance, but also to put on my ribbon skirt while I was dancing. So I didn't get, unfortunately, the exact meaning of the colors. I think that the elder or knowledge keeper or medicine man would have received that direction from his his own personal uh, vision or however they, they do that. Okay. And can I just explore a little bit with you, Laura? Again, again, this is uh, just to repeat, this is your personal experience, but is it normal or again, is there customs? Sorry if I'm not getting the right word there, but does it have to be a male or could it be a female who has a vision to decide what the ribbon skirt or the colors might be? Is there some tradition that goes along with that? Just like the answer that I gave previously, like I don't like to speak on behalf of anyone but myself. It varies so much. My grandmother, later in her life, she was gifted with uh, the ability to give names. And so then she, also gave colors. So it was at the time when I received my name, there just happened to be a man in the community that gave names and colors. So I think it just depends on timing and who's gifted with that in the community or in the family. It could even be more personal where somebody dreams of their own ribbon skirt. They might dream of themselves wearing a skirt and it being a certain color. So they decide to make it and it's significant to them. In your experience, I think you indicated you had two colors. Yes. And have you seen, or are you aware of other uh, ribbon skirts that might have more than two or just one, or is there a level that has a significance that you've witnessed? I'm just curious to see if there's. There's a big variety in ribbon skirts today. I've seen people wear a ribbon skirt with just one ribbon. And then I've seen ribbon skirts being made that are completely made of ribbon. So there might be 20 or more ribbons on them. And that depends on if they're spiritual significance 
or preference or personal preference for color, or it might mean something different to that individual. And unless somebody shares that with me, or unless something really stands out, like I might ask or give a compliment and ask that person about their ribbon skirt, and then they would explain that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And is there is there such a thing as the kind of material that the actual skirt before the ribbons get put on it? Is there, you know, something again from a, a tradition there, Laura, that gets used, or is it just again, each one is so individual? I think each one is so individual as well. For mine, the person that gave me the colors and told me how my skirt was supposed to look said that it should be on black cloth with white flowers, little small white flowers on it. So some could be just like a a solid color. Some could have floral. Like I know uh, a lot of um, Anishinaabe, a lot of Anishinaabe use florals. So it would depend on the person. And how often, I mean, are you fairly active with your wearing your ribbon skirt? How do you use it in sort of your your daily life or ceremonial life? I personally wear ribbon skirts about three times a week to work. And I make ribbon skirts. I don't wear the same one that I talked about often. I usually save that one for ceremony. And then I ha- I make some just um, based on my color preference, what I like, the style I like. And I wear them, yeah, about three times a week to work. Like today I was just at a Christmas, a staff Christmas party for our community. So I chose to wear a ribbon skirt just to represent that I'm proud of my culture. Mm-hmm. So you made this ribbon skirt that you wore? Yes. And would you have more than two colors on there or can you be creative on your own because this is something that is not necessary about sort of ceremony per se, but it's more sort of your personal preference, if I can use those terms. Yes. So the ribbon skirt I'm wearing today has eight ribbons. And then I coordinate the colors with the the fabric colors. So it's more like a stylish uh, fashion preference. And would you, I mean, for example, you know, in a conversation, say, for example, you know, I was at uh, an event and I saw you and somebody said, oh, you know, because we're just doing this conversation over Zoom, so we haven't met in person. But if you were, uh, I got introduced to you and I said, hey, Laura, you you and I chatted on a, on, on my Humans on Rights uh, podcast. Um, I see you're wearing a ribbon skirt. Can you explain the meaning or what the colors that you have on? Is that an appropriate conversation for somebody to ask? when they're just meeting somebody like you and I might meet? I believe so. If somebody asked me that, I wouldn't be offended. It would spark up a conversation. Uh, usually when I approach someone and, and I'm interested in, in something that they're wearing that's cultural, I would probably compliment them first. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And is there a certain length? that the skirt should be? Is it sort of an understood that it should be a certain length? Yes. I don't like to tell anybody or like dictate to people what they should do, but I know some expectations are out there and I've heard them all. The older generation, they prefer people to wear longer skirts to cover their ankles. And let me interrupt you for one sec there, Laura. I'm assuming that is for ceremony, not just for, yeah, okay, for ceremony. Okay, fair enough. Yes. 
For ceremony, for sure, you would wear a longer skirt. Well, I would anyway, uh, just out of respect for myself and the people in attendance. But I know that some people carry over their ceremony life into their everyday life where that they would just expect that and they would guide younger women and maybe teach them that this is an expectation that you wear a longer skirt. But now that we're in a different time and there's more people wearing ribbon skirts and it's more fashionable and more accepted, there's different lengths of skirts that are out there. Normally people would say like below the knee, but now there's like mini ribbon skirts. Really? So yeah, yeah. So it's really evolved the ribbon skirt. Yeah. You know, Laura, one of the things that fascinates me as I'm trying to sort of learn about this and do a bit of research on it is the notion that, you know, there's so much tradition that goes along with um, a young girl being presented uh, a traditional ribbon skirt, which as you say now today, it's a bit more fashionable. Do you make ribbon skirts that would be for sale? And the reason I'm asking you that is that if there's a a website that you might ask people to go to. And just a reminder that when I, all, all my podcasts come with episode notes. And so if there's some, something where you would like people to go and look and see the work that you do do, um, I'm happy to sort of put that on there. But just to come back to my question, do you make ribbon skirts for just generally for people in the public who are interested in purchasing them? Yes. So one of the other things that I do aside from my daily employment is I do beadwork and I sew. So I do make um, ribbon skirts for sale. I do post them on my personal Facebook page. I just do it in my spare time as uh, something to help women be proud of their culture, proud of wearing ribbon skirts and promoting the culture. And I just do them when I can, and I, I post them on my personal Facebook page. I don't have a website, and I just do them as to express my creativity as an artist. Okay, and are you comfortable giving your Facebook page publicly, or if you would like it to be, you don't have to? Yeah, so my Facebook page is just my, my name, my English name, which is Laura Brandon. Spelled L-A-U-R-A. B-R-A-N-D-O-N, Laura Brandon. Yeah. And then just for a quick second there, because I think it's always fascinating. You introduced yourself in your traditional name. This is your English name, I guess, if I could use that. Do you use your traditional name a lot in ceremony or just in, in different ways? Or, I mean, I know you're obviously, you know, very proud of your, your culture. Is that something that you feel strongly about using your traditional name? Yes. So usually when I'm in meetings, I am a public figure in my community. So I do some public speaking. I attend meetings in different parts of Canada. And I um, make a point to introduce myself in my language, first of all, uh, just because I'm still learning my language. I'm the first generation of four generations of women. Like I'm the first one that hasn't went to residential school. So there's three women in my matrilineal line that went to residential school, my mother, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother. 
and they all are fluent or were fluent in our language. And so I'm the generation that the language didn't get passed down to. It wasn't my first language. So introducing myself in my language, it's, it's a way of me reclaiming that. So that's why I, I make a habit of doing that. So just remind me one more time, what, what is your name in your traditional language? My name, the way you say it is Shibagi Jiguk. Shibaji Jiguk. Shiba Gijiguk. Shiba Gijiguk. I'll 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 put in syllables. Yep. Shiba. Shiba. Giji. Giji. Guk. Guk. Shiba Gijiguk. Shiba Gijiguk. Yes. Okay. And when you introduce yourself that way, would you prefer? I mean, it's just it. Took me a long time here just to sort of get it right, and you're very patient with me, so thank you so much. But would you prefer people refer to you that, or are you okay when people call you Laura? Yeah, no, I'm okay when people call me Laura. I know it, it would be uh, more difficult to pronounce, and uh, it's more for me and for me reclaiming my language, but also to remind people that that's who I am initially is an Anishinaabe Kwe, like an an Ojibwe woman. And, you know, when you talk about the ribbon skirt, that how now it is becoming a little bit more sort of popular, I mean, are you comfortable if non-Indigenous women wear a ribbon skirt, Laura? I am comfortable with it as long as credit is given where credit is due. I know that there is a lot of ribbon skirts that are being sold and then bought by non-Indigenous people. But there's a fine line between cultural appropriation. So we really need to be careful about that. There are many people that are non-Indigenous that I have met that have very high respect for our culture. There's there's non-Indigenous women that I've made ribbon skirts for that use them when they go to ceremonies or join their Indigenous friends at different events out of respect for them and, and, and learning about their culture. So I think it's, it's dependent on, on the respect and the appreciation level. You know, when I said in my introduction that ribbon skirts are traditionally worn for Indigenous ceremonies by women and girls, but the garments are also used to show support for causes such as missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. From your perspective, again, this is your your viewpoint. Do you agree with that statement? And if you do, can you maybe share how that works? I would agree with that statement that that is uh, something that individuals prefer to do to support to show support. It's not something that I do. I, I show support in different ways, and it's more like about being involved for me. But I know that that's the comfort level of some people is to wear ribbon skirts, like to wear an orange ribbon skirt for orange shirt day, a red ribbon skirt for missing and murdered Indigenous women. And that's a highly visible thing to do to show support. So I think that it is common to do that. And then I just wanted to mention in talking about supports for uh, Indigenous community issues is uh, for the LGBTQ community that it's not limited to just women. 
that there's people of different genders that choose to wear skirts because they identify with it. Yeah, interesting. And and so you mentioned Laura about for Orange Shirt Day as it's being called, I guess they're for the National Truth and Reconciliation and Red, which is very much the, you know, the red dress, the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. Can I just ask on the for a ribbon skirt, is the background in the case of Orange Shirt Day, is the background orange or are the ribbons orange on another color? I think it depends on who makes it and what it signifies for them. I've seen ribbon skirts that are or on orange fabric and with orange ribbons. I've seen just orange ribbons or orange fabric with different colored ribbons. So it's it varies quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, that is always one of the things. And I, again, I, I come back to, I think why you said at the very beginning when we were chatting, just saying, look, I can share my personal experience. I'm not here to speak on behalf of yes. anybody else other than myself, which I, I respect and I appreciate. I think it's, it's fantastic. You're obviously a, an artist and you're creative. Just talk a little bit about your background, your education, where you went to, to school and some of the things you studied and what you got interested as, in as a, as a young woman. So my educational background I did go to college in, in Brandon, Manitoba, where I took a Aboriginal community development diploma. And um, I have an undergrad degree, a Bachelor of Arts degree in uh, Native Studies and Archaeology. I also have an after degree in education, so I'm a certified teacher. And uh, right now I'm employed through my First Nation as a member of uh, council. I'm an elected representative of, of, yes. Okay. And a couple of things that I do in addition to that is very community involved. I volunteer a lot, but in my home life, I do a lot of beadwork and um, sewing, spend a lot lot of time outside, medicine picking, uh, going to ceremonies and promoting our language and our culture. You know, it's great to, you know, really have an opportunity to explore a conversation with somebody who's very passionate about their their culture, their tradition, and particularly through colonization, how you're trying to sort of come at it to ensure that it becomes back uh, more into the mainstream. And, you know, a lot of these, these issues are done on a one-on-one basis, like the way you personally are exploring it and expressing it, Laura. So appreciate appreciate that. Would you say that the more understanding that people may have with the the history and the meaning of a ribbon skirt, would that advance anything with truth and reconciliation in your opinion? I believe so. I, I believe that we're in a better place today than we were even five years ago. I think it's reciprocal, the reconciliation work and the understanding and sharing of our culture like it just goes back and forth and the more it goes back and forth I think the more it advances from what I've seen throughout my time being involved with my culture and promoting it I wanted to share though about the young girl choosing to wear a ribbon skirt for formal day for my first degree I graduated in 2012 and that at that time At my university graduation, I chose to wear my ceremonial ribbon skirt, and I was the only one 
wearing a ribbon skirt in the entire university graduation class. And I really stood out and people, I had a lot of people looking at me. So I know how it feels to gather up the courage to even do that. And for this young girl that decided that she wanted, she was proud enough to wear that ribbon skirt that day. And parallel to my graduation, it's expected to wear Western influenced fashion to a formal event. So the people I was graduating with were wearing uh, dresses that you would wear to a graduation, but I chose to wear a ribbon skirt. And 12 years ago, it was very rare for anyone to do that. And now it's more common and it's, it's really beautiful. And I think every time somebody wears a ribbon skirt in public, it just strengthens that pride and culture for women in the Indigenous community. When you wore your ribbon skirt, Laura, were you, I mean, other than, as you say, you stood out, did anybody indicate to you, you know, you shouldn't have worn this or you shouldn't have this? Or I just go back to this, what happened to this young girl in, in Campsack. Did you have any of those conversations? No, I didn't have any con- any of those conversations, but I, I had a lot of looks and I could sense energy. but. And I was a woman already, like I wasn't a little girl, so I could I could stand in what I believed in. It's interesting, as they say, when you're younger, I mean, somebody who's 10 at that time, this young girl was 10, you know, you're pretty influenced by an adult sort of telling you something versus, as you say, when you're, uh, as you are a woman, somebody telling you, you're going to stand your ground because you have, you know, much more understanding of what it is you're trying to represent, even if they don't agree you know, as opposed to uh, an adult uh, teacher or an assistant teacher, I guess, in this case. Yes. And I know that when I do wear ribbon skirts in public, some people are a little confused. I do get a lot of compliments, but even in, in my own community, sometimes I'll get a comment or a question as in, oh, where are you going? Or which ceremony are you going to? And then I just have to say, I'm just wearing it for myself for today because I feel like wearing one. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, as they become more evident, but, you know, what's interesting is if somebody asks you that question, they're trying to learn, right? They're trying to get a sense of what's happening. So as long as everything is done with a level of respect, then you're learning and you're having a conversation, which I think is helpful and hopeful about the topic. So Laura, Brandon, Thank you so much for the conversation. I just want you to take a moment. And what I'm going to ask you to think about for a second is that January the 4th has been, through an act of parliament in Canada, has been deemed to be National Ribbon Skirt Day. If you were to give one message of hope that you would like people who are listening to this podcast to think about or take action on or do something on National Ribbon Skirt Day, January 4th, what would you like that to be? I would suggest for people to wear a ribbon skirt if they feel comfortable with it, encourage women in their family to wear them if they're comfortable with it. And if you see somebody wearing a ribbon skirt, offer a compliment or a question to learn about it. But for me, I don't expect that from anyone. If they don't want to wear a ribbon skirt, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say, 
everybody wear a ribbon skirt. It's up to that person's comfort level and what they believe in. So if anything, I would just encourage people to be open-minded, to be open-minded and respectful. I want to add, I think it's a beautiful way to end, end uh, the conversation, Laura, because I think to be open-minded and respectful on a lot of things would help us in this world. But I asked you about uh, National Ribbon Skirt Day, and that's what you're talking about. So thank you for your enlightenment. Thank you for your openness. Thank you for being very candid about your personal journey with respect to the questions I've been asking about uh, a ribbon skirt. And uh, I appreciate you taking some time to uh, to share your thoughts with me today on this uh, on this subject, Laura. Thank you so much. And thank you for giving a platform for people to learn about the ribbon skirt and the significance of it. Miigwech. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Humans on Rights. A transcript of this episode is available by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. Humans on Rights is recorded and hosted by Stuart Murray. Social media marketing by Buffy Davey. Music by Doug Edmond. For more, go to humanrightshub.ca. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast. But we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.